0: start at verse 16. Once, as we were on our way to prayer, a slave girl met us who had a spirit um, of prediction. She made a large profit for her owners by fortune-telling, and she followed Paul and, and, and us. She cried out, these men who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation are, are the slaves of the Most High, or the servants of the Most High God. And she did this for many days. <laughs> so imagine this. They're walking around preaching the gospel. And this, they have this personal announcement following them. And, uh, and uh, what I think it is, is that it's that finger of God anointing that Jesus talked about. We're just building the context here for the story. But the finger of God anointing, Jesus said, "If I cast out devils by the finger of God, so the finger of God anointing is that anointing, that light of God that comes, and when it comes in a certain power and concentration, demons can't hide. They like to hide actually, because that's how they can do their stuff. But they, it's like they get around enough of enough manifestation of anointing or God, if you will, and they just start. Bah! They start. They freak out, or they, or they." Or in this case, couldn't help to glorify God. It was like because they have to worship him. And I just think that's awesome. That devil was probably really frustrated. I keep worshiping God. I don't want to. But um, glorifying Christ. But anyway, Paul was greatly aggravated and turning to the spirit said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out right away. Now, I just wonder if it actually took a few days for Paul to realize, I think that's a devil. Because, you know, he let, her, he let it happen for a while. When her, when her owners saw that, uh, that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas, dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities, bringing them before the chief magistrates. They said, these men are seriously disturbing our city. Their account of the story seems very different than probably what the casual observer would have seen. They are Jews and are promoting customs that are not legal for us as Romans to adopt to practice. Then the mob joined in the attack against them and the chief magistrates stripped off their clothes and ordered them to be beaten with rods. After they uh, had inflicted many blows on them, they threw them in jail ordering the jailer to keep them securely guarded. Receiving such an order, he put them into the inner prison and secured their feet in stocks. That's pretty secure. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. (laughs) That's amazing. I mean, they'd been beaten with wooden rods with many blows. I mean, you need medical attention. This is is bad stuff. You ever see, they came, to this day they came people. You know, and it's, anyway, so they're beat up, they're in prison, they're in stock. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake as they're worshipping, that the foundations of the jail were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains came loose. When the jailer woke up and saw the doors of the prison open, he drew his sword and was going to kill himself. Since he thought the prisoners had escaped. The deal was they were going to kill him. And he thought it'll go easier if I just do it myself. That that's what was happening there. Um, But Paul called out in a loud voice. Don't harm yourself. Because all of us are here. Then the jailer called for lights. Rushed in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he escorted them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And the story goes on. They get freed from prison. His household is saved. They get baptized. What an amazing thing that's happened there. So this morning, I want to talk about how worship shifts the atmosphere of our life. And I want to start by connecting to last week. That what we talked about last week was that we are, by design... Worshippers, you and me. And because it's in our nature, you and I will worship something or someone. Ultimately, there's coming a day that the Bible says that every knee will bow. On heaven, like in heaven and on earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So this is another part. There is a destiny for all people, saved or unsaved. That will all bow a knee to Jesus and confess to him and worship him and honor him for who he is. Isn't that amazing? And we have the privilege to do it today. Everyone's going to do it because we're worshipers. It's what we do. We exalt our sports teams, right? It's OK to be. A, I mean, we, we celebrate our sports teams, you know, and then some of us just take that deal. A little farther and and. Um, and ultimately, what worship is, is what you worship actually defines you. What you worship is what defines you. What you worship is what determines your identity. And there, there are people who are like, you know, tell me about yourself. I'm a Huskies fan. Like, literally, it is the first thing. I'm, and it is because, it's not because they're sinister or horrible people. It's because we have this innate need for identity and that identity comes from that which we behold and worship. And when you don't know the Lord and you don't have him in the place of your of worship in your life, when he doesn't sit on the throne of your heart, something will fill that. Whether it's making money, some people turn to pleasure, we're all kind of wired a little bit differently and we have, but. Something is going to get not only our attention, but our affection, our passion, our effort, because worship is more than songs. Worship is a life lived unto something. <laughs> That's powerful. And we talked about how worship uh, the word has to do with the kissing of the hand. It's an act of submission. The kissing of the hand or a bowing down on the ground, put the forehead to the ground. It's a humble, it is a bowing before and an exalting of. We're worshipers. And he said that true worshipers worship in spirit and in truth. You remember if you weren't here last week, that's what we talked about last week. That that and it says, and such the Father seeks. So this is amazing. What is God looking for? Uh, he wants his sons and daughters, but we're worshipers. He is seeking for worshipers that worship in spirit and truth. And we talked about how truth is authenticity and spirit has to do with it's impossible to bring true worship without being born again and having the Holy Spirit live inside of you. And so true spirit, uh, spirit and truth worship comes through a believer who is born again. And how many remember when you were born again? That worship was automatic. How many remember that? Can anybody relate to that? I mean, for me, I just know. Like, And, and I know the contrast. Because I, I remember being a teenager. And I had experiences where I felt like I was connecting. But I also remember being in worship settings. Where it was like, I want to connect to what God is doing here. And yet... It's not there. It's I'm doing it. That's good. You got to start somewhere. Right. And I was marked in those environments. But the the, the experience of true worship wasn't happening for me. And, the, and I'm in the middle of it all. And, I, and I, there's something, someone drawing me unto himself. And yet there's not the deep heart connection that I experienced later in life at the age of 20 years old. When God really got a hold of me, laid hold of me, saved me, that was the experience where the grass is greener, the sky is bluer, the trees are brighter. Like, you know, there's life everywhere and no one had to tell me to worship God because every day it was like I knew I'd been saved. I'd become a worshiper who worshiped in spirit and truth. The spirit of God was inside of me. And something was happening inside of me. My heart was moved towards God. No one had to tell me to do it. It was like, Father. Father. All day at work. Get off work. You know, you get what I'm saying? That this, this connection has happened. I think that worship, one expression of worship is... That any time that your heart your affections are moved towards God that's worship or prayer worship i think that we're going to get a lot i think we're going to get credit for more worship than we realize Does that makes sense we tend some of us have a view grow and sometimes maybe it's because we grew up with kind of in a different little bit of a religious environment or whatever. I'm thankful to have grown up from church. But I think sometimes we have a view of God that he that he's he's actually hard on us. And he and he doesn't give us credit. You know, he's like does it count? You know? If I if I prayed in my car while I was driving, did it count like the prayer in my closet when I was on my knees? You know, does anyone actually go in a closet? Some people do. But um but uh but God, what I believe is that true, it's not that we worship, it's that we're worshipers. And so even though we come together and I believe that there is deeper places for us to go corporately in, a, in this setting, when we gather corporately to worship, that it shifts the atmosphere and it makes in the, the kingdom of heaven comes in that he's enthroned upon our praises and that the, the rulership of Christ comes because we're worshiping him. And all kinds of things happen. He heals hearts. He heals bodies. He changes lives. Right? Worship shifts the atmosphere like it did in this prison. I I was uh, at Orchard uh, Nutrition a couple of days ago. Standing in the aisle. I think this is worship. I was standing in the aisle look, looking at the going to get a drink. I just wanted something to drink. And the Holy Spirit just moves. You ever have these moments where He just surprises you? Like, out of nowhere, my affection, my heart towards God has moved. And I found myself in that moment, out of nowhere, kind of what Shelly was actually talking about this morning, actually, renewing some of my my vows to God. In the aisle, in in the Natural food store. Like, I'm there, and I'm just getting a drink, and all of a sudden, my heart is moved. And I was like, there's a, there's a few things in my life that God has asked me for along the way. It doesn't really matter what they are. They're, they're totally fine things, but you know how that is. God asks things of you. And, um, and I was like, in, and suddenly, just for about like maybe 20 seconds, I was so moved. And I was just welling up inside, and I was like, oh, God. I don't want that. I don't want that. I want you. And that's worship. That's worship. This fragrance that comes from our heart towards God. And it can be expressed in song. It can be expressed in many ways. But ultimately, worship is, the, it has to do with living our life unto Him, And not for ourselves. This is what worship is. You are greater than me. It's very simple. And sometimes it feels a lot like... I know that many of you are going to understand this. It feels a lot like dying to yourself. And I don't mean like I'm frustrated I'm dying to myself. I don't want to. It's that when you yield to, to Him inside... It's beautiful, but it also feels like something of me is being laid down and he is being exalted. I'm feeling changed again in the moment. Can you guys relate to that feeling? It's like it's like something beautiful is happening and it's wonderful. And he's killing me softly with his love. You know, know, know. and it's true, like that song belongs to God. He does. He kills you softly with his love. And and uh, and and that that's only so that we can experience more of his life. So. So here's Paul and Silas. They're in prison. They've been beaten. For casting out a Devil. I mean, they ruin somebody's business. Right? You know, this is an amazing thought, isn't it? Like, that sometimes when the kingdom of heaven manifests, it is a different system. I was thinking, I was in Las Vegas. <laughs> I was in Las Vegas doing a wedding out in the Red Rocks. We were out, yeah, it was a beautiful outdoor wedding out in the Red Rocks. with like Cars, the show, the movie. And... Um, <laughs> And as we were on the freeway, we were up above, and you could just see Las Vegas. You know, it's just a desert that was developed. And I had this thought, I thought. Now, I know God would have a plan, but I thought, man, revival would level this place. Do you ever have that thought? And you're like, all this money, all this stuff, all this prosperity. And I'm like, a a real move of God? I don't know this what? I don't know. God would have a plan, something I don't know about. But I'm just thinking, a lot of that business would stop. But we're talking about worship. But that is worship. It's the laying down of your life for the one who saved you. Worship is more than song. Worship is the fragrance of your life. It's, it's the fragrance of your heart that rises to God throughout your day. That whatever you're putting your hands to, worship can look like mowing the lawn. Worship can look like running equipment. Worship can look like building a house. Worship can look like being a blacksmith or a craftsman or a carpenter. Because what worship is, is it's not really the activity that decides whether it's worship or not. It is the heart of the person that's doing it. And that when you do it unto God... It's worship. It shifts the atmosphere. The kingdom of heaven is noticed because there's an excellence upon what you do. How many know when you do it unto God, you seem, you seem to do it a little better than you otherwise would? You want to, at least. At least you have the heart to, right? Somebody, you know, Sharon was having a great uh, discussion on Facebook about what excellence is, you know. And, and so, and, and I say that here because excellence is when you give your best. It's a commitment to give your best, right? It's not that excellence isn't if Brian's better at it than me and I'm not as good as Brian. It doesn't mean that I haven't done an excellent job. It means that I have a commitment to excel. Excellence. I have a commitment to excel. And and why? Not to achieve value or to prove my worth to you, but because I'm doing it unto God and and I'm always wanting... And so that automatically creates an ascension in life, an improvement as you go. It just means you give your best. And that comes from the heart. Somebody said that you can buy a man's back, but you can't buy the heart. You can hire someone to do manual labor, right? But and, but, and, and you know what's amazing is that you can do that labor well enough even to get promoted and still not give your best. So the, the beautiful thing, the way that God has created you and me as worshipers, is He has given us a heart that literally you can actually be successful to some degree in life without ever giving the best of what's in here. But when you give this, that's where all the excellence is. That's where the worship is. When you, when you do it with this, as unto him, whatever I do becomes worship, and it begins to shift atmospheres. I've seen it take place in manufacturing jobs. Then I'm running a machine that drills holes in plastic boxes, but I'm doing it as unto the Lord, and so he's given me innovations. How I can improve it. How I can rewrite the program. How I can make it more efficient. And and meanwhile, who's benefiting? My boss. I got raises for stuff like that. And um in my zeal in my twenties, I would I would tell my boss, he didn't know what to do with me. Thank you so much. I'm like, I did it for the Lord. (laughs) I just tell him I did it for Jesus. And you know and um I don't know if I say it a little differently now or not, but the truth would still be the same, you know, and and um I did it for Jesus and and it was worship, though, that was noticed and it shifted the atmosphere where I was. Sometimes people would ask you about it. But moving on. Worship is a surrendered heart. Worship to God is ultimately surrender. Now, if you can put yourself in the place of Paul and Silas. For them to be able to worship in the situation that they were in, right? You're beat up, you're in pain, you don't have a right to a a fair trial. It's not the system we live in, that's for sure. I mean, if you ended up in there, it's because we decided you're guilty. You weren't, but now you are. You know, it's like whether if you weren't guilty before you got in here, you are now, because you're in here. And, And so it was looking pretty bleak. And um, they're, you know, it's smelly, it's dirty, they're beat up, it's the middle of the night, and they're tired, and Paul and Silas are in there with their feet in stocks, and all of a sudden they're like, I love you, Lord, and I live my voice to worship you, oh, my soul, rejoice. Take joy, my king. Come on, you know. And they're in there and they're worshiping, and suddenly the atmosphere shifts. There's an earthquake, and you could listen. I've thought through this, so like you can you can like try to logic this out and go, well, if it was a strong enough earthquake, it would jar the the doors and they could pop open. But you're like, what about the stocks? What about the chains? No, this doesn't make sense. This was a heavenly shift that took place that shook the ground, shook the jail and set them free. Now, the amazing thing is they were so surrendered and had such hearts of worship that in other times when that happened, it's time to get out of there. But they are. But they're like so open to what God has. that You know, Paul's like, hold on, hold on. Paul's like, we could get out of here. But Paul's like, wait, don't, don't harm yourself. Paul is so surrendered in his life to God. This blows me away. That he's thinking more about the salvation and the saving of this man's life. that He's going to kill himself, etc. I tell you a story that's embarrassing in the light of this. I wouldn't compare to what they went through, but, um, but some years ago, Amy's going to remember this story. Uh, some years ago, uh, back in Lake County, we were coming home from a Friday night prayer meeting. And my son was in a car seat, so he's about a year and a half old. Amy's really pregnant with, with Caitlin. Um, they're 20 and 22 at this point now today. And, um, and we get... So what I did is I rolled through a stop sign up in a parking lot. And somewhere inside I was probably thinking, wow, you know, it's in a parking lot, you know, whatever. And and so, but anyway, I was pulled over. I get down on Highway 53 there. I was pulled over. Yeah, that's okay. You know, it was a real stop sign. I probably should have stopped. But, um, but, uh, I didn't respect that stop sign because it was in a parking lot. Well, I get pulled over. And I'm like, oh, I'm getting pulled over. And I was literally like, I don't know what I did. I don't think I was speeding. I didn't know what I did. took me a few minutes into this interaction with this police officer to figure out that I would rolled through a stop sign. Oh, OK. Well, this situation was crazy. Like, like, we're we're I mean, we're like hardworking, taxpaying. Clean-cut at this point, looking young adults with a with a baby and a, and a pregnant wife, you know, and we're coming home from a prayer meeting of all things, and uh, I'm pulled over on the side of the road. This officer, not maybe shouldn't have been an officer, so it escalated so fast, I couldn't believe what was happening, and I was I respected him from the start, and he's like. Why do you keep looking away when he talked to me? I mean, he just looked for everything. to, You know, I mean, next thing you know, he gets me out of the car. He puts me in the back of the police car. This actually happened. I'm in the back of the police car. My son's crying. My wife's pregnant. I'm just thinking, man, this guy has all the power. You know what I mean? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, he could do whatever he wants right now. Maybe he'll get in trouble later, but. You know what i'm saying pretty feeling pretty powerless in that moment and um and uh anyway, there's more to the story his dad was the uh was actually the uh the commander the second in command of that police department so um and so I thought he was uh patrol the whole time anyway I get home he goes that's my officer anyway uh so the lord. Took care of it all in the end, but I, but I, I, um, but I respected him the whole time. I honored him the whole time. I get in the back of his car, and it just hit me. If Paul and Silas could worship in their condition, I can worship right here. So I'm in the back of this police car, going, "I love you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I just worship you right now." And I'm just, and I'm, I'm worshiping God. And the next thing you know, a detective rolls up, diffuses the whole situation, goes, hey, let those guys go. Boom, boom, boom. We're on our way. Yeah. Yay, God. But I'll tell you, it's, it's, it's like, the, I, I wouldn't want to go through what these guys went through. But, however, whatever it was, I will tell you, in the back of that police car... When injustice was happening, no, I didn't get hurt. No, I didn't go to jail. But it was injustice. I'm like, my wife is, you know, this is kind of traumatic for my son. My wife, they came out unscathed. But I could have been so angry in that moment. I could have been so offended. I had the right to be. But you know, by the grace of God, because I was, he, he just, Enabled me to worship in that place, do you know I walked out of that situation with ever without ever having offense? i wasn 't offended even at the officer. The Lord worked that situation out. He became like a building inspector instead, which was probably way better. <laughs> and um, you know, <laughs> you, know <laughs> you want to oversee? you like being in charge I see <laughs> let 's just take away all your weapons and have you be in charge of something else and um, and so, uh, you know, um, but worship really did shift the atmosphere. I'm in the back of that car enjoying a heavenly atmosphere. Next thing you know, we're on our way. You know, listen, in closing, I want to say this. Worship is what you do with your heart. It's powerful. Worship is what you do. With your heart, you know I can sing every song and have it really not be worship. Anyone can sing songs. We can all sing songs. And I can stand quietly. Or sit quietly. And the most beautiful fragrance of worship, where the Father is going, Oh, I love your heart. Oh, you know, like where he's moved by the worship because he looks in to my heart, into my heart, into your heart. Worship is what you do with your heart. Worship will bring breakthrough in your life. Because it exalts, it actually places the rulership of Christ over whatever situation that you're worshiping him in. Amazing that whatever situation you're in, maybe things are tough at work. But if you can find that place of like, God, I'm just going to worship you in this place. And actually, I'm going to bless my boss. Oh, man, your heart gets so free. And the next thing you know, things are working out. Why is that? It's because your worship puts Christ as king it acknowledges him as king over whatever is happening in your life internally externally whatever it is true worship comes from the heart true worship is a laid down life true worship says you are god and i am not ah, i surrender Would you stand with me this morning, please? We are worshipers. When we gather together in this place or anywhere, and we, as the body, worship corporately, if you could see what's happening in the spirit, it would blow you away. When we live our day-to-day life with that same heart, wherever you go on a daily basis, whether you work in the school system, whether you're walking into the grocery store, whatever you're doing, the fragrance of your heart of worship, is shifting the atmosphere. You've got to understand something. You as a worshiper are powerful with God. There's not one person in here who is born again and filled with the Spirit who is not shifting the atmosphere everywhere they go to some degree or another. And when you're aware of it, it happens more. When you realize... And so, because you're light, everywhere you go, you're shining. And when we live day to day that way, because this is the invitation. The other part about worship is we get to choose it. We get to choose it. We get to choose what we're going to do. You know, am I going to take up arms or am I going to worship God? You know what I mean? Like, am I going to let this thing bring me down or am I going to lift him up? One or the other. And sometimes I let something bring me down for a while and then I start lifting him up. And then you wonder why I didn't do that sooner. But when we live our lives this way, you guys, you know, together, individually, and then we come together like this. Do you know what really will happen? An explosion. Because when your fragrance goes up all week, and your fragrance is going up all week before God, you, you walk in just like, I'm ready. I'm ready. Cool. Shifting the atmosphere.